Hey folks, this is Dr. Rob, and welcome to Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction, a podcast brought to you by Seeking Integrity Treatment Programs and hosted by me and my sidekick, Tammy. Say hi, Tammy. Hi, Dr. Rob. Thank you. Our show provides useful answers to your most asked questions about cheating, betrayal, and addiction. Let's get started. Please touch on pros and cons between coaches trained in betrayal trauma versus therapists. Well, uh, okay. Um, Coaches can be very wonderful, insightful people who are well-trained, or they can be complete goofballs who don't know anything and they've decided to call themselves a coach. There really is no national standard to be a coach. Um, you can go to coaching school, you know, you can go to, you know, uh, Joe's coaching school and ca- call yourself a coach. So what I worry about is something we talk about a lot, Tammy and I, which is expertise. You heard me talking about it earlier. If I were dealing with this problem, I would want to see the most trained person possible. And I think coaches are wonderful. So how do I say this? I think different parts of our mental health and addiction world um, are best work with, with different kinds of people. So if I was working with an addict who was trying to really uh, work on their sobriety and get the steps and do the things they need to do, if I was working with a friend who was struggling to get the right job and just didn't know how to put themselves out there and, you know, things that people are working on and need to move forward with, yeah, a coach can be really helpful because they know their, they know their role and their role is simply to work with that issue and help the person move forward. It is not the role of any coach to do psychotherapy or to do trauma work or to do any of the underlying issues. They are simply there to help you achieve. And I think it's great. You know, if I want to finally get myself out there to meet people and start dating, coaches are wonderful. If I really want to go back to school and I just can't get myself to get the steps together to go back to school, coaches are amazing. But if I'm having a deep and enduring psychological addiction problem, I think a coach is the, well, other than just going to a friend, I don't think it's really, I think you're going to regret it. So we're trained. And in fact, I wouldn't say just therapists. I think, so someone put up there the name of the coaching agency, I think, or something like that. Um, Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they have all kinds of names and they've been through different kinds of trainings. Um, I know the training that you're mentioning. I think it's great they went there, but if they're not a master's level licensed mental health professional with addiction experience, I don't refer to anybody. Um, that's just how it goes. Tammy and I both, we have a bottom line, which is, in fact, Tammy used to work with the educational program uh, around where the CSAC comes from. And they would not take anyone for that training unless they had a master's and a license other than a pastoral counseling course. So um, I think Tammy would agree with me in situations like these, you want to work with someone who's at the highest level and most experienced possible. Doesn't mean there aren't crappy and terrible therapists out there, that's for sure. But give Tammy or drop Tammy a note. We make referrals, we don't get any kickbacks, but we sure know who the people are around the country who do good work. And I think that's T A M I at seekingintegrity.com, right? Okay. You do, you've got it right. So, yeah, and, and I want to tag onto that a little bit. So, uh, I, I make hundreds of referrals a week. I'm not exaggerating. And, um, uh, and I don't refer to coaches. I, you know, I don't find that their qualifications are such the only exception. If, if somebody was working and they really needed some practical things like Dr. Rob was talking about, yeah, possibly for a betrayed partner, if you need help setting healthy boundaries, maybe, but still with, I find that most of the betrayed partners, you know, are struggling with deeper trauma work. And that is not, a, you know, a coach's 
that is not a coach's responsibility. They can handle what do you need to do today and moving forward, like having a plan, that's all fine. Anything, this is simplistic, but anything that's, you know, in the past is, you know, is not part of their legal work. And you can go to many little courses or do online. And I'm like, this is mental health, you know, stuff. This is complicated. I say all the time to people, this is, you got cancer. You want the cancer specialist. You do not want your GP, even though you love your GP, you know, like this is the stuff that you need really good help with. Most therapists are not trained to work with addiction. Even fewer are trained to work with these issues. Having the right help, you know, makes a difference. So, I mean, yeah, you know, I'm Dr. Rob does expert consultations. He, one couple shared, and I hear lots of positive about this. One couple shared that they'd been to four different therapists over a two year period of time, and they were still floundering. They talked to Dr. Rob on an expert consultation. He knows his stuff. This is the work that he's done. He was able to identify the issues that had never been identified and guide their path forward. And they've stayed in contact, they, you know, that that helps set them on, on a path. So why would you want to flounder for, you know, for years getting the right help? And it doesn't magically, as we've learned earlier tonight, you know, doesn't magically change things, but man, having the best chance at moving forward in a different way, you know, that's, I hear life-changing from our alumni. I hear it from partners. So healing can take place, you know, if, you know, if he comes and does the work and, you know, has the ability, you know, to be honest. So. And okay. I'll say again, coaches have a place and they do really good work when mm -hmm. they stay in their lane. But when it comes to mental health issues and addiction, uh, unless they're just helping someone stay sober in a very specific task, this is not a uh, master's level licensed with certifications. Correct. I graduated from SILA two weeks ago, yay, and I've moved back to with my partner who is currently in the Betray Partners work group. She's <clears throat> having a hard time adjusting to me being back home. We're getting along well, but she's constantly worried that I might be relapsing and much of her energy is consumed monitoring and worrying about me. She recognizes that I'm showing up completely differently since um, being at Seeking Integrity Los Angeles, and I suspect it's going to take time to rebuild trust, but is there anything I can do to help her feel safer and feel like she's she doesn't need to monitor or worry about me as much? Thanks, and thanks for all the amazing staff at Seeking Integrity. Um, well. You want to come back and help? <laughs> Sounds like you're doing really well. <laughs> come back and talk. Yeah. Come to alumni come, groups. Stay on the alumni groups. To, yeah, yeah, please. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I, I think that there was one sentence in here that really, uh, she's constantly worrying that I might be relapsing. Of course. Much of her energy is consumed monitoring, worrying about me. Of course. She recognizes I'm doing well, but she said, but uh, we both suspect it's going to take time to rebuild trust. Absolutely. Is there anything I can do to help her feel safer? Uh, honestly, I want to say, and this isn't going to be right, but I want to say no. <laughs> you can keep your side of the street clean. You can be honest. You can go to meetings. You can show up and ask questions. You can go to alumni group. You, you, if she sees and feels you demonstrating, um, the work then over time, and I mean over six months, not over six weeks, she's gonna to start to feel better. Um, what I love in here though is, and this is the most important to me piece to me, we're getting along well. How about that? 
Like, how was it going before? So it's moved into mistrust and fear and anxiety because it's going well. Your spouse is sitting around saying, oh my God, when is the next shoe gonna drop? And he or she has had a lot of shoes drop. So I would say they're holding their breath, thinking maybe it worked this time, maybe, maybe, maybe. And you're just gonna, and then if the, you know, if the sky turns blue, they're gonna think, oh, he used to go out when the sky turned blue. You just need to let them have their feelings um, and understand that it isn't about you in this moment necessarily if you're doing your work, but they have tremendous well of pain and it's gonna be a while. So everything I read in here, and I'd love to hear Tammy's feedback tells me that this is going well. And I'm, and, you know, I'm glad our program is useful to you. Um, Tammy, do you have thoughts about this one? Yeah, and, and I think acknowledge, you know, I'm sorry that my behavior has hurt you and caused you, you know, so much anxiety. I'm doing what I need to today. That's all we've got. I'm doing what I need to today to to prevent me from to returning to that. And and is there something that I can specifically do? You know, I acknowledge when, you know, when you're spending time together and things are going well, acknowledge that and be emotionally present for that and, and go, you know, I love that we're able to sit here and have a conversation. I hope you're doing the daily check-ins or whatever, multiple times a week at least, you know, where you're just checking in and and giving her a place to say, you know, this, you know, I'm, I'm struggling with anxiety. I'm sorry that my past behavior, you know, has, has, has you feeling like you need to focus on me. I'm, I'm taking care of me. I'm seeing my CSAT. I'm doing the meetings. I'm doing whatever. I will continue to tell you what I'm doing for my recovery so that, you know, that hopefully you, you can focus on you and, and good things for you, you know, um, but, but yay and and thank you for being here and please go to the alumni groups you know tuesdays and thursdays um online too so they'll they'll uh, love to see you i had a couple of things uh, more to say uh -huh. let me just find this a little bit um first of all there's just one two more things one is that i would say to her you know i watch you struggle with with trust and with wondering where i am and worrying all the time and i'm I'm really sorry that I left you in a situation where you would be worrying about that all the time. Um, just acknowledge, rather than making it different or trying to not trigger it, just let them know that you see it um, and that you're doing your best to do your side of the street and you understand that they will go through all kinds of things. And if they need your help, you will be glad to help them. I do wanna point out something that I think is important, at least for me personally, is that uh, you went to our program, you are doing well you are trying, you're coming to us saying, how can I be a better spouse? How can I better support the woman or I think the woman I live with? And how can I help her understand that I'm on the right road? You're, uh, I don't know, four or five notes above this. We had someone who said, my husband went through your program and he's still lying and cheating and he lied to you when he was there and he's lying to everybody else. So honestly, it, it's sort of like saying, the good work happens and it really, you know, what we can do, and it's not just about our program, but the work, what the programs can do, the 12 step, what the therapists can do, with the, if you really got a good team around you, we can point you in the right direction. We can help you show, show you what we need, we need to do. In fact, you, the other person said, you this, uh, my spouse had a very clear roadmap for what you said he should do, but he's not doing it. So what is sad to me is that we can't change who people are. We can only show them what they can have, the relationship, the love, the family, the foundation that they can have in life if they focus on it and make it their priority. But whether they choose to do that or they just go back to where they were, 
here's what I want you to understand. It is a decision. I can choose to take what I've learned and run with it, or I can choose to continue to run my own show. And that is my decision, especially if someone's gotten really good care and they lied to the people they were getting treated by. That's us think about them. I can't tell you, and I'm just going to rant for one second. There are so many people, and I'm just going to say this without arrogance. There are so many people who would love a bed in our program, who would do anything to be there, who would pour themselves and turn themselves inside out to get this level of help. And then they would go home and do everything they were asked, and they would check in with our groups, and they would be involved. I mean, this is a life-changing opportunity, not necessarily a personality changing. That takes a lot longer, but you can shift the course of your life but you have to, we don't take you there. We just show you where to go. And unfortunately it is up to that human being or, you know, you are getting to see, your wife is getting to see Eric who you are. And unfortunately the spouse of this other person is getting to see who they really are um, because every chance is given, but are they able or willing to take it? That's not something we can, we can handle or manage. Nice to see you, Eric. I don't know who you are. You could be, because I'm not allowed to say, but Eric Anonymous. So what do we there got, go. Tammy? How do you know when you've reached your breaking point? My essay husband has been sober from acting outside of our marriage for one year. Just after we got back together from a 10-month separation, he disclosed the worst things from when he previously acted out. Our full disclosure was 11 months ago, therapist assisted. These disclosures trickled out over the past three weeks. The picture I have of this behavior is entirely different and more egregious than I thought. I can't seem to process how, oops, sorry. I think there's another piece. I'll go get it. I don't see it. So I don't. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's okay. Just let's go well, with that. Plenty, yeah. There's plenty of question yeah. in there. Yeah. So. Um, go for it. Where should we be? Let me go find it again. The picture so I, was for, I have this. I was looking yeah, for the so end. Like, how do you know when you've reached question. your breaking point? Yeah. Well, I think too. that someone who's asking that question um, has reached their breaking point. <laughs> You know, I mean, uh, it's sort of like saying, um, how much does my tooth have to hurt before I go to the dentist? Um, if you're even asking me and you're a lot of pain, you're thinking about that, you probably need to go to the dentist. So maybe that's not a good metaphor, but um, what you're describing, um, not only that you're getting more information, not only that there's been disclosure, not only that it's trickling out, but you're also getting information that is not what you heard before, it's different behavior. And, you know, I, I just, I think any spouse would say in this room, as much as you love somebody, you have to put your own survival first. And if you're telling me you've reached a breaking point, then you're really questioning whether you can handle this or not. And, you know, maybe what I would say back to you is, um, are you looking for ways that you could separate and take time for yourself? Have you been to an attorney to understand? I'm not saying you have to separate and I'm not saying you have to get a divorce, but I do think having a solid, you know, it's kind of like moving from the, from the dock to the boat. I would like you to understand that the boat is really solid. So you have to jump off the dock. You have a place to go. Sometimes you don't know where you reach your breaking point because you don't know what your next steps might be. And I would ask you to really think about, because if your breaking point isn't today, it might be tomorrow. And what plans have you made to take care of yourself if this continues? Um, so I would love you to have a solid foundation of your next steps. And then I would let him know, you know, by the way, I have talked to this person, I've gotten this, you know, I have a friend to stay with or my mother and, you know, and then talk about what would take to put that plan into action. Um, but this is, this is awful stuff. It's just awful stuff. And I don't like it. 
nor do I. And yeah, I, I, I often hear partners say, um, like their head knows something that their heart, you know, can't know yet. And so when their head and their heart aligned, that's when they knew it was right for them to leave. And I'm not saying you have to leave or whatever you have to do, but I think you're going, I'm at the breaking point, but you know, again, we, we have a treatment program and, you know, if the last thing that you need to try is, you know, have, I mean, I often hear people that, you know, we had, we've had guys get served divorce papers and treatment. So, you know, it's, and, and reconciles, not that you have to, but, um, I don't, I don't know. So th this next one, I don't know what the question is. I'm, I do. Uh, it, shows, it shows up below. So I, I know, but it do... says my question did not get posted. Um, How but... fast can sex addiction start? So I could become okay. a sex addict one day and he's above, oh. he's talking about having to run to his dad's yeah. stash. Yeah. And yeah. So yeah. Um, let me try this. Um, if you have an abusive dad, and uh which you clearly did and he's stashing porn he probably has a bunch of issues and i can't help you with the self-hatred around your religious upbringing i think that's something that you're going to have to find peace with yourself but here's my experience and belief i've been doing this a very long time and have these issues myself and i write about it a lot and i can tell you that um nearly to a one the gentlemen and ladies that i've worked with in different programs our wounding was when we were four. Our wounding was when we were six. It may have been reinforced as we grew up by finding dad's stuff and getting aroused by it or, or dealing with having been abused, but almost to a one. And you know, this is also backed up by research about the early challenges that addicts have that leads us to isolate and try to soothe ourselves without and lie and all of that. So I would suggest that you that there were issues in this family long before uh, the ones that you can remember or the ones that you clearly, besides you said, I was teased relentlessly by a four-year-old brother beginning at the age of six. So you already know that at six, there were things, you know, I bet some of your first memories are about abuse. That didn't start when you were six. And certainly the environment that was being created for that to happen didn't start at six. So I, I do not think that you became an addict because you ran into some porn at 12. I think you, you ran into the thing that was addictive for you, but you were already headed in that direction. You know, I mean, think of it like drugs and alcohol. You know, you can say, well, my dad gave me a glass of wine at, uh, at my, my brother's christening. And therefore that was my first taste of wine. And from then on was an alcoholic. I don't think that people become an alcoholic because they're exposed to a glass of wine when they're 13. I do think, though, if they, they have the biological and psychological makeup and they're going to end up alcoholic, they take that first drink and they think, mm, this feels really great to me. And then they want to pursue a road going down that way because it is the thing that makes them feel good or better. But the fact that they found something that makes them feel good or better, lots of people do. But the desire to continue down that road has to something to do with what's going on inside. So lots of people run into porn at the wrong age. They don't end up being addicts. Um, you did, and I think it has a lot to do with more to do with what you grew up with, up with before you can even remember, than running into the porn at twelve. Does that make Agreed. sense? Agree. I hope it does. Yes, it completely makes sense. Thank. Okay. So next question. Um, this is from five twenty four. I find it very or really difficult to speak to my husband about my boundaries and my pain of his betrayal. My CSAT says it's because of my chronic post-traumatic stress disorder from childhood and PTSD from living with a sex addict for 12 years. Any tips on how to get past this? 
Well, um, why don't you start, Tammy? I think it's a great question for you to start with. Yeah, so I hope your CSAT is helping, it sounds like it, helping understand the different layers. And, and but I would, I'm wondering if, do you need a couple session with his CSAT and your CSAT to a, a conjoint session to talk about what the boundaries are and why they're important. There are so many good resources for um, trauma work. And um, if your CSAT is working with you and doing some you know, EMDR, brain spotting, somatic experience, something like that to work on the specific trauma from now, eventually later, you know, some of the deeper things, but, you know, addressing the layers now. Um, but I think also um, uh, like role-playing what, you know, maybe if it, like Dr. Rob and I did a little bit with, uh, you know, with that, what, what are you, what are you afraid of, you know, will happen, what, you know, and being able to, to, a role play, you know, with your therapist about like you practicing saying your boundaries and, you know, why it's important to you for your safety, you know, that may be a start too. Yeah, I, um, I really appreciate your starting that question, Tammy, because I knew that you would, you just talk to so many people in this situation. Um, so let me go back to that question. Um, I, I think this is something you can practice when you're not in the conversation. So I would write down these boundaries. I would write down, you know, I'd write a letter. This is the pain that, that I'm feeling I'm going through. And then like Tammy and I talked about a, an evening exercise. You know, what I really like, one of the ways I really like doing this, you know, we have a half hour or 45 minutes each evening to talk is that I talk for 15 minutes and you just listen. And then you give me some feedback, like what I heard you say was, or this is what I got out of that. And then you talk for 15 minutes and I just listen. So if you can sit there with your spouse and you know, they're not going to say a word and they're not going to do this. And you're going to just read, these are my boundaries. It's you know hard for me to tell you this. I'm going to tell you this. And by the way, I want to let you in a little bit. I want you to hear a few words about what I'm going through. Um, you're not asking for feedback. <laughs> you're just asking for, did you hear what I said? And here's where I'm coming from. So, and then he or she gets to say how he does, say how he feels and what he's going through. So I think cutting out the discussion, but putting it in a situation where you can simply say your truth and he says nothing and that it's set up that way might make it easier for you. Um, and I was gonna agree with Tammy. I think that the couples work, this is a really, if well, actually there's something that's more important. You didn't say anything about where he's at. You know, mm, if your husband is, you know, shaking his head and rolling his eyes and saying, I don't want to hear about, well, of course it's hard for you. Of course it would bring up past trauma. So I would also wonder what is the, what has been the conversation around this? Like there are things I don't know how to talk about, but if we're going to talk about difficult things, how are we going to do that? And, and by the way, if he's still cheating, lying, acting out, not doing his work, I hope he is, but then why would you ever feel safe sharing your feelings? Because it's just all going to get thrown back in your face. Like it doesn't matter anyway. So um, I do think these are couples issues and some objectivity would help. Um, but yeah, Tammy, I was late. So let's see if we can get through the a couple more. We've things. got two more questions. Yes. So thank you. My partner's behavior has escalated in the last few months. It seems like every time it escalates, I have to accept something that's unacceptable as dynamic in our relationship. Recently found his second secret cell phone. He didn't have the chance to delete everything this time. And I found he'd been soliciting prostitutes and spent over a thousand dollars in the last few months on sex workers. If he relapses on porn, I can get over it. But how do I protect myself from acting out behaviors I can't handle? Well, this is a confusing question to me because it feels like you're looking for permission 
to do something that you already feel like you need to do. You know, you said, I, I don't know how to protect myself from this because I can't handle it. You also said, I have to accept something that's unacceptable. No, you don't. You don't have to accept any of this. You can make decisions that this isn't working for me or I don't, I can't be here another minute. Or if this was my story, um, I, and boy, Tammy, we're a couple tonight. If this was my story, <laughs> I would expect that Tammy would throw me out. I would expect that she would say, go to treatment somewhere or I don't want you back in my house. I mean, I also think that the, uh, what was I gonna say? Um, uh, he didn't have a chance to delete everything this time. Well, what does that, what does that say? And the second phone? I mean, so this isn't someone who's on the way to trying to build an honest, open relationship with you. This is someone who's continuing to try to act out and get away with away with it. So I think that this is the time you use the word boundaries. What are my boundaries and what am I willing to stick to? Again, if you can't take this and one of you needs to leave, that's what you need to do. But if you can't take this and you say, uh, you say things that you're not going to do, then you're teaching this person that they can get away with anything. So the answer is, how do you protect yourself from something you can't handle? You get out of the way. Yeah, I, I never have to accept something that's unacceptable. I, I have choices. What my choices are, they may be limited, um, but right. but I, I have choices, you know, and whether it's, I, mean, I don't hear financial transparency. I, I don't feel hear anything in here that is safety or that he's working on things i just hear that he's working on being extra sneaky and you you know you're going like well if it was just porn like that would be you know that's still not okay because that probably is you know one aspect he's you know he's clearly doing multiple things you know and it all feeds into the same you know dopamine and one thing escalates to the next so so you are clear that it has escalated it will continue to escalate what do you need to do what are true boundaries for your safety, financial, physical, emotional? Um, you do not have to accept unacceptable behavior. That's, you know, that's brutal for you. So what, what do you need to do to take care of you? And I want to add to the financial piece. If you're living mm -hmm. together and you're sharing a life together, he didn't spend $1,000 on prostitutes. You spent 500 So how do you feel about the money that's going out of your pocket to maintain his relationships with other women. And by the way, could a thousand dollars going to go into a kid's college fund? Could it be tied to a church? Could it be, you know, used by groceries for someone? Who, yeah. yeah, or vac or give you a gift. You know, what does that thousand dollars mean? Now you maybe a lot have lots of money and think, oh, it doesn't matter. It does matter. It always matters. He's taking money is energy, money is focus, money is time, and all that's been taken away from you. So, this is not a good thing. Um, we got one more, Tammy. Let's do it. Yes. Yes. A, a woman that shares my office told me about a very sexual text her ex-husband sent her. It triggered me. When I got home, I texted my sponsor about it and then disclosed it to my wife before going to bed. She wants me to tell her these things. I wanted, she wanted the details. She pulled what I told her apart. I got frustrated because I thought I was giving her what she asked for and I was getting punished. She interpreted my frustration as hiding information. What's the right way to disclose things like this? I think we've, I think you've asked this before. And to me, it's like, I, like, what is she looking for with that? Like that you called your sponsor, like to, you know, I, if I was the partner, I would, I would want to know that you called your, you got triggered. You called your sponsor. You're doing what you need to do this. And especially right before bed, she told him, it's like, oh my God, did anybody sleep that night? So I don't know. What are your thoughts, Dr. Rob? Well, I completely understand that um, she pulled what I told her apart. I understand that 
um, that you felt punished. I understand that she interpreted your frustration as trying to hold things, but it's your last question that strikes me, which is what is the right way to disclose things like this? The answer is don't, don't. We have a responsibility. And I know all the partners like, what, 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 what? We have a bottom line, you know, which is what our sobriety is, you know, whether it's seeing sex workers or porn or affairs or whatever it is. I have a commitment to you, my partner, that if I do any of these things that truly endanger our relationship and you need to know about them, I will tell you. I'm not going to let you think I have a year sober when I only have 20 days. I'm going to tell you the truth. However, and this is a big however, my day-to-day -day frustrations, which is, oh, I felt like acting out today or I drove through the wrong neighborhood or, you know, I read that email and I shouldn't have. That's what a sponsor is for. That's what a therapist is for. I know that your partner wants it. Partners want to hear everything. But if you feed your partner every single time you have a little bit of confusion or you feel attracted to someone else, they will never feel safe. You know, they see partners feel and believe that if they know every single detail, whether it's questions or what you've done, that they're going to feel better. The truth is they don't feel better. It just makes them more upset. And that doesn't mean we have to hide things from them. It's just, we have places to go with our attractions and triggers. And I'll say this a million times. I do not want my spouse to be my parole officer. I do not want my spouse to be my police officer. That is not a marriage. What I want is for them to, for, I want to gain trust with them by over time. I, and what Tammy just said, I struggled a little bit today and I went right to my sponsor and it was really, you know, made me feel a lot better. I, and by the way, what did you struggle with? Your thoughts, okay? Or is she supposed to go into your inner world and understand what you're thinking? Um, so I, I think that it's uh, unfair. I understand completely your spouse wants to know it and I validate their desire to, but you will never find peace as a couple unless there are better boundaries around what you share, what you share, how you share it. And as Tammy said, when you share it. Um, spouses, you don't get to know every single thing about us. Um, it's not going to be helpful to you or to me. You need to know that I'm being honest, that I'm on the right track, that I'm doing the things I need to be doing, and that I will tell you if I get into real trouble. Um, that's my side of the table. So I have one can. more resource. Yeah, on oh, on this on the sex and relationship healing.com. Gavin Sharp did a boundaries for addicts. It was really good. And he talked about how everybody needs healthy boundaries everybody does and so what do you need as an addict you know for your healthy boundaries you know i, I agree with dr rob like this relationship i don't know how you can ever heal because if every right. thought that you have um, you, you know that's that's a you're ripping the scab no win for, over and over yeah, and over that, again it's never going to heal yeah. no but win don't for hide either things. of you right don't hide yeah no lying no hiding but just I'm taking care of it. I'm, you know, I'm doing what I need to do to take care of myself. And, you know, I've got, I've called my sponsor. All good. So that do the, the check-in, the, 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 do, do the, the check daily check-in, the Thanos or whatever. And then, then it's enough said, you know, but you're checking in. By the way, in you get to way. set a boundary. Sorry, Tammy. You get to say when they say, well, you know, I need to know everything that happens today. You know, I will absolutely tell you if anything meaningful happens. And I know you don't trust me and you don't believe me, but how are we ever going to restore trust if you don't begin? You see what I'm doing. I'm going to meetings. I'm talking to my sponsor. I'm working on all this stuff. That's the guarantee I can give you. You know, I, 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 if you constantly question me, I'm going to start backing away. You have to begin to trust that I'm going to tell you the truth. And we've had stories here where the person said they continue to lie. They lied to you. Well, that's a very different situation. Um, but here, I think that you get to say, look, I will absolutely tell you anything that is meaningful, um, that my sponsor says, that my therapist says, that I know will affect you negatively. But my thoughts 
and my feelings and, you know, looking at someone or something like that, that I have other places I need to take that because we need things to calm down a little bit. Thank you for listening to this episode of Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction. If our words have led you to seek help, please reach out. You can always find us at www.seekingintegrity.com.